how can you never see a ghost in a Hugo Boss suit and modern clothes? Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you, yes, you. in the game. Coming up on today's show, one of the best defensive linemen in the entirety of the NFL, Jarrell Casey, joins us on his trip over to the UK. And we're going to hear from NFL.com's Greg Rosenthal on all of this anthem bonanza. That's the wrong word, but I'll think of a better one. This is the Gridiron Show. Are you listening to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips? Getting you, yes, you in that game, in that game, all the I, game, I, all I, the games. There's, there's as really, many games as you want. I really enjoy when people tweet us saying, "I just booked this amazing trip with Touchdown Trips, and I did it because I heard about it on the Gridiron Show." It genuinely makes me have this little warm feeling inside because I know Same. what a ruddy good job Ben Mortimer does, and so I know all those people are going to have a, a lovely time. You know who uh, approached me. I think it was late last week. Approached you. Approached me late last week and said, do you know where I can uh, get tickets? Because I'm planning to go over to Philadelphia. I want to get some tickets for some from a, for a couple of things. And I, I don't know where to, to look. And I was like, uh, Ben, I touched down trips. And he went, oh, yeah, of course. Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Yeah, yeah. So Love I think Sam Harris. Sam is going to I think you going to say Adrian Durham and his newfound love of the NBA. Yeah, could do, actually. That's just a, just a thought. Yeah, just a thought. Just a thought. Because Ben doesn't just do he NFL. Do, he does love the NBA. <laughs> That's come out of nowhere <laughs> as well. Absolutely out of left court. No, that doesn't work. Uh, left field. I'll just say left field. Yeah. Baseball term talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it from came out behind the backboard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just from behind that backboard. <laughs> now, I'm sat in. We're, we're at TalkSport Towers. Whoa. I'm sat Bang. in the control room. You are. You're in the studio. Correct. Have you been in the control room for a long time? Uh, that's the room where I record my. Do you know why in. I think it was you that was in here? <laughs> Can I guess? Because of the four cans of Coke Zero. It's the are... Coke Zero Diet Coke <laughs> graveyard here. <laughs> <laughs> I will tweet out a picture. <laughs> At Ollie Hunter. Just try uh, to, try you to could avoid tell the Galaxy Caramel chocolate bar wrapper that's also hidden back there yeah, I've, as well. I've strategically placed that as well. Uh, but here's, the, here's the rattle of, of all... It's, it's a... It's like a, a graveyard for yeah. l- sugarless drinks. I'm in it? there. I've been in there every night this weekend. So that would uh, be. Are you sure this isn't just today? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> are you sure? Uh, just about. Uh, so coming up on today's show. So this is training camps get underway this week, and so this is the first time when we are really ramping up to the new season. We will have at least weekly shows going up to twice weekly shows as we get closer to <laughs> September. <laughs> oh yeah, indeed. <laughs> and into the new season. Plus, of course, you'll be able to hear us on Talk Sport and Talk Sport too as we bring you full exclusive coverage of the NFL every Jaguars game on a Sunday night and every single Sunday night football over on TalkSport with myself and Ollie Hunter yep exciting new year coming well Touchwood haven't heard anything so far but Touchwood well it was a two year contract so uh, okay. I, I assume we're still no, doing no 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 I mean you and I doing it oh. I, they, they, they won't bin us off of course not when? No, there's nothing made of wood oh. in here. Ah, the panic sets in. <laughs> Touch my head. Okay, uh, all good. Right, so uh, that's all kind of coming up in the not too distant future. Now we had started our divisional previews, but today we're going to have another AFC South guest because Jarrell Casey, 22 minutes, he was wonderful. Like he is going to be a an amazing analyst if he decides to go into the media. Just uh, like. Listen to the the section where he talks about Jack Conklin and uh, and Taylor Lewan, the bookend tackles, and he, it's three minutes of a masterclass yeah. of people talking about the quality of offensive linemen. And wha- he was talking to you and I, <laughs> <laughs> and and how it improves the offense and how it proves his game and why yeah. the two of them, why he tries to make sure he goes up against each of them equally, and all it's it was wonderful stuff. So that's coming up a little bit later in the show, and we'll do some of the latest news and stuff, but. With the announcement of the suspension, freezing, whatever you want to call it, of the anthem policy as well, that happened while we were live on air on Sunday night into Monday morning. And so we're going to bring you... We were having an on-air chat with Greg Rosenthal. 
So we'll bring you that. Yep. Then we'll bring you our on-air chat where we kind of explained to producer Sammy Stevens what was happening and got Sorry. into it. And then it, the news broke while we were on air. Yep. And then we'll bring you Jarrell Casey as well. I think that makes an awful lot of sense. All makes sense? Yeah, okay. Shall we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Start off with Greggy Rosenthal then from around the NFL and NFL.com. But before we got into the anthem stuff, I asked him what the feeling is about the teams coming over to the UK. Well, the NFL's thrilled with it. I mean, uh, I think you see with the quality of the games that they're now sending and the investment that Tottenham's made and really the variety of stadiums now that they've they've played at. I mean, they're they're thrilled and they I wonder if they they wonder if there's a, a capacity of like how many tickets they can sell cuz you know, they put these three games up and they sell out basically right away, which is which is pretty impressive. Uh, is there still any is there backlash from the fans still it feels like the problem is is the twitter void and the social media void is always you get those keyboard warriors it doesn't feel properly representative of the fan base but i do feel like whenever one of our american friends yourself or someone from one of the networks tweets something about london you do seem to get that slew of negative comments from american fans <laughs> off the back of it yeah, I don't think it's, you know, if there was a Super Bowl in London, which I think there will be someday, uh, or if there's a team that, let's say, you know, moves to London or spends half their time in London, yeah, there's going to be a gut reaction from fans who just don't like the sport in their eyes being taken away or something like that. But I think that's the minority. And I think the main thing from the local teams is just they're losing a home game. And I understand that. Like the teams that are losing a home game, the Jaguars are choosing to do it, but the other ones are kind of in strange situations like the Raiders. You know, if you're a Raiders fan, you look at it like a competitive disadvantage that, that one of your home games is in London and you're losing one of the, the final uh, games that will ever be played in Oakland. So I, I get why the home fans are upset, but I think that's the minority. Now, I hate to kind of, in the limited time we have, focus on negative stories, but coming out in the last few hours, and we'll get the thoughts of Jarrell Casey on this, but the, the Miami Dolphins have announced how they're going to approach the anthem policy this season. It's a, it's a conversation we've had on this show before, but I think this new kind of information coming to light that they have said any fines will be passed on to players, there's been certainly a backlash quite quickly from, from certain sections of the media and fans. There, there is, and there's also been some confusion. The, the Dolphins have let it be known that essentially they put up a kind of a boilerplate um, policy that's basically the rough league policy at this point, and it's going to be up to the team to decide how they want to, um, you know, punish anyone if they do do this once the season comes. But I, I think the larger point is the NFL can't be happy that this is a story still, that, that I think this new policy is going to make it a bigger story than it would have been. And that almost two years removed from Colin Kaepernick, you know, kneeling for the first time during the anthem, it's still such, it's a bigger deal than ever for the NFL. And I, I think I think it's disappointing. And one of the players we were meant to be having over this week was uh, from the Chargers, Russell Okung. And whilst it's not the official reason that's been given for him being replaced by their linebacker, Carl Emanuel, we understand that he is potentially going to be involved in the conversation with the NFLPA and the NFL as well, which is why he may mm. have stayed back. And it just it amazes me that they go and make these decisions without having a dialogue first, because that is what is going to make it a bigger story. Yeah. And and beyond like whether it's a big story or not, like the, the reason that Colin Kaepernick kneeled in the first place haven't changed, you know, the racial systemic inequality that they were talking about, I think has only come more to the forefront over the last two years. And I think the NFL is doing a lot of really good things to invest in communities and work with players. Um, but the policy, I believe to try to come up with a way to prevent peaceful protests in, in any capacity is going to end up, you know, making the league and, and making the sport look bad. Greg, if I just have to get you to, I'm just going to get you to throw this out there. Put it on the line. Who do you think goes to the Super Bowl this year? Wow, right, nice and early. <laughs> yeah, just a bit of fun. I'm sick of picking the Patriots every year. So oh, I'm the Patriots go, fan is I'm, sick of picking the no, Patriots. No, I'm, I'm si- yeah, I'm sick of picking the Patriots. So I'm going to pick a Super Bowl I want to see. How about the Green Bay Packers? Let's get Aaron Rodgers back into the game. And I, I really believe this. I talked to Mike Daniels. I love the look of this defense. I love Mike Pett. That's my real pick from the NFC, and I'm riding with uh, your old producer, Ali Hunter's team. 
And uh, for the AFC, let's go with the team that I want to see, even if I don't quite believe it, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers, who, if you just gave their roster to Bill Belichick, I'm pretty confident he could get them to the Super Bowl. We'll see if uh, Anthony Lynn, their coach, uh, can do the same. Greg Rosenthal speaking on TalkSport. We'll get Greg on the podcast at some point for like an extended chat. It was just a little brief chatette on radio. shoehorning a piece of uh, audio from when we're working into our personal... uh, yeah. Project. Yeah. Hundred okay. percent. Speaking of which, let's go to when we were a little bit later in the show and we were discussing the the anthems. This starts off with you. So should you throw to it to yeah. make it make radio sense? Yeah, yeah. This starts off with Will explaining uh, this the lay of the land, the situation post no pre the announcement, but post the Miami Dolphins announcement. The NFL came out with a, a rule without consulting the, the players earlier in the summer that said, if you want to protest the anthem, you can stay behind in the locker room. If you are on the sideline, you must stand for the national anthem. We're talking about the so-called nation of the free. It's meant to be somewhere where the what is it the First Amendment is free speech to yeah. the Constitution. That is meant to be what they absolutely stand for and uphold more than anything else. They're trying to tell players, and it's a bunch of, let's be honest, and, you know, coming from a couple of middle-class white guys, we're hardly the people to talk about this, but a bunch of billionaire white guys telling people who come from underprivileged backgrounds in particularly run-down areas of America that they can't protest police brutality and racial profiling, that they're not allowed to do that. That is absolutely disgusting. Without in any way consulting players, what they've said is if any players are seen doing it, kneeling, I think they said linking arms is fine. I don't understand why. As long as they're standing, I think Mm -hmm. it is. But if they're kneeling or sitting, the team will be fined. How they then deal with that fine is up to the team. Right, okay. So a few teams uh, have already said the San Francisco 49ers have. New York Jets. uh, The New York Jets have, which is amazing because Woody Johnson, the owner of the New York Jets, is a good pal of Donald Trump's and is actually here in London. He's the, um, not the consulate, what's the word I'm looking for? Embassy? The the top guy at the embassy, whatever they're called. Um, uh, Here in the UK. Yeah, all of those things. Um, He is, you know, Right in Trump's pocket. But Mm -hmm. they've said they will absorb the fine. Players will not have to pay it. The Miami Dolphins, the first team to come out and say, if we are fined, that will absolutely be passed on to the players who protest. Wow. And as you can imagine, players, etc., are up in arms. And it's at a time time when it just was unnecessary. There was no need for them to say that because actually they could have just... There is a further conversation now being had between the NFLPA, which is the Players Association, the union, essentially, and the league saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why on earth did you not consult us on this? Why was there no dialogue? That's one of the biggest problems we're having here. And it could be that this rule is reversed or changed before we even get to the season. Really? And it makes it even worse that the Stephen Ross, the, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, has an organisation that is under his name, the Ross Initiative for, it's called Rise, yeah, Ross Sporting Initiative. Equality, something it, it, equality. Yeah. It's, a, it's something equality. And it, the, the whole point of it is it's designed to open up a dialogue and a conversation about equality in the US and particularly around sports. And he runs and owns this organisation. We chatted to the CEO while we were out in the States mm-hmm. and a couple of players who were talking on a panel. Cesta Valve. Cesta, you know what? We should roll that out again. He was brilliant. Great. The Cleveland Browns tight end. He was absolutely fantastic. Cesta Valve was the first white player to take a knee uh, with his black teammate, teammates uh, at the beginning of last season. And that's really significant because before it had only been black players and he felt that it was his duty uh, to to be alongside his his teammates his brothers in doing this so it the um it is it 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 it's the whole thing is a huge dumpster fire as us as it's, americans would play just to remember so. it's the ross initiative in sports for equality so yeah. it's about sports supporting so he runs and owns this organization yet he has been the first owner to turn around and say we will find the players if they protest and what's amazing about it is the nfl their whole reason for bringing this law in, for bringing this rule in, was, and I quote, 
to make the conversation about football again. And all they've done is dragged up all the ill feeling again and made it a news story again instead. It's madness. Can I ask, this this seems like, to me, that actually the wider issue is perception of the league. So I'm talking about and the NFL as a global brand mm-hmm. and the appearance of the NFL to the global market. And um, obviously I looked at the Forbes rich list. I think I can't remember which team will, I'm sure you know much better than I do top of the Forbes rich list of most valuable franchise in the world. Dallas, of sport. Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Thank you. It was the New, the New York Yankees. I thought were more valuable. I but... think the Cowboys were top actually, but oh, I, might be, I, I think uh, so. Yeah. Cowboys, top, Cowboys top, Man, six. I think Man United oh, wow. second. And yeah, there we go. So there's a few, there's a few like, massive NFL teams in the in the top one including the, the the leader and um it makes me wonder whether or not actually this whole reason against the the angst behind people protesting it is because of how it looks on television when people aren't standing for the anthem there that's is, what i wonder there is a certain perception of football that its fan base is based in in the south of america where college football is massive where football comes from in in texas and that these are red states and that when the TV viewing figures have gone down over recent years, we are talking about an organisation where team a team has sold the first team to sell since the Jacksonville Jaguars for $4.5 billion. Mm-hmm. That's a value of a franchise like the Carolina Panthers, who aren't even in a big market, sure. who aren't even one of the bigger franchises, where they earned, I think it was £250 million per team was the money that they brought in from, um, from rights this season alone it's and there's an idea that they are struggling they are by far the biggest sport in america but the ratings have gone down slightly they've panicked because it could hit their pocket Mm -hmm. and they're trying to reappeal to middle america that's the whole thing so they want to appear perfect effectively yeah and and it's just there is no way of winning the way that they're approaching it and the way that they're doing it is it's absolutely bizarre but it it, needs sorting there doesn't it it saddens me because it makes we're talking about a sport that i love and Mm -hmm. the sport that you know we cover here on the station and this is what we're talking about instead of talking about the sport itself and uh, later on in the show we're going to play out a couple of those interviews after 4 a.m that we did while i was out at nfl uk this week and one of the conversations i had was with jarell casey from the tennessee titans who is a fascinating individual he has been involved in anthem protests over the years and we talked about the need for a dialogue between the, the players and the organizations and he said, to, we talked about that some in depth, but what he didn't say to me, which he then went on to say to CNN the following day when they asked about the anthem protests again, was he said, I'm going to protest. I'll pay my own fines. It's more important than money. Wow. That's literally the position. Like, that's how important it is to these players, and yet the league don't respect that. That is absolute madness. Uh, another crazy thing about what Ross has said and the Dolphins has said today as well is that they could issue suspensions for players that protest or continually protest. They will suspend their own players, potentially, if they protest, which is which is absolutely insane because you get players suspended for taking performance-enhancing drugs, domestic, for violence, domestic violence, or... Or gun charges, other, su- other substances. Yeah, recreational drugs. Recreational yeah. drugs. Yet they're going to suspend people for exercising, exercising their, their right their to right. free speech it's, yeah. uh, and, and not and, breaking any laws. And what's what? One of the key things in in the actual anthem itself, and a lot of players can't can't um, get their their head around, is that it's the, you know in the in the anthem one of the lines is "land of the free, home of the brave." Yeah. Well, these players are being exceptionally brave in the in a land that they think is free, but mm. their right to to do what they want isn't free Um, it's crazy as as if as if they knew we were going to have this conversation one minute ago a statement has been released by the nfl and the nflpa a joint statement (gasps) the nfl and nflpa through recent discussion have been working on a resolution to the anthem issue in order to allow this constructive dialogue to continue, we have come to a standstill agreement on the NFLPA's grievance and on the an- NFL's anthem policy. No new rules relating to the anthem will be issued 
or enforced for the next several weeks while these confidential discussions are ongoing. The NFL and NFLPA reflect the great values of America, which are repeatedly demonstrated by the players doing extraordinary work in communities across our country to promote equality, fairness and justice. Our shared focus will remain on finding a solution to the anthem issue through mutual good faith commitments outside of litigation. Wow. So they've put a pause on this new rule coming in that stops players from... Wow. Well, and, and do you know what? I think it was because we were talking and, and that, that has happened. <laughs> Us and Greg Rosenthal, we've changed the world, guys. <laughs> that, that, is, that is one hell of a statement there. Wow. That's massive. Well, they're to be applauded for that, though, right? I mean, they shouldn't have made it in the first place. I mean, th- th- I think, actually, the backlash of this Miami Dolphins... Um, situation sta- situation yeah. where I just checked Twitter it, the Miami Dolphins was still trending and that's in this country <laughs> not that's not mad, yeah. not the world over not just the world over so that that's amazing a player Jarrell Casey is with the, the uh, Tennessee Titans he came over because the player that was due to come over Brian Arakpo Arakpo is one of those players for the NFL uh, PFA or whatever, and uh, he is he is in those confidential talks as I suppose as we speak, trying to sort this out on behalf of the players. That's incredible, incredible news. So yeah, that was. I mean, it was our initial immediate reaction after it happened, and having had more time to think about it, I think there's a really fascinating question over how much the Dolphins and making that announcement influenced the decision because as you were saying right at the end there we were expecting Russell Okung over and I spoke with Jarrell Casey about the anthem stuff I spoke with Jared Cook about it off air as well but he didn't really want to talk about it on record because he's spoken so much about it he seems to yeah it, it finds it to be a particularly difficult subject to keep going back to it genuinely seems to upset him and offend him and upset him and uh, and whatever but it's it's fascinating to know whether the Dolphins whether this announcement was coming anyway and the Dolphins just absolutely screwed themselves by making their announcement about 12 hours ahead of time or whether the reaction to the Dolphins announcement, which was pretty vociferous, actually influenced the NFL agreeing with the NFLPA that whilst talks were ongoing, that they would suspend the new policy. Mm. I would say I, I'd i love it to be the Dolphins jumping the gun and... Um, I mean, uh, uh, making that mistake. I think they made a mistake in any case, but actually I think the reaction to it, it was trending for hours afterwards here in the UK, in the US, around the world. Miami Dolphins was trending and it, it was such bad PR for the Dolphins that the the NFL, and then the, the NFL, because it's all about the, what the NFL has, has been saying, I, th- I think the NFL's hand was then forced even further because it, things had gotten had gone a little quiet and I think the NFL wanted it kind of almost to, to blow over let's let's try and get to the end of the season oh sorry the beginning of the season this all kind of um, kind of takes care of itself and then the Dolphins doing what they did it just highlighted it all again and then bang like it just it just absolutely blew up didn't it and I think the NFL's response was um, was was to the Miami Dolphins decision. I don't think it was right. The NFL are going to um, release something, and it just happened to be hours after the Dolphins did. And amazingly, of course, Donald Trump then waged back in again, and suddenly we're kind of not quite back to square one. But uh, Trump demanding that the basically demanded criticizing the NFL's handling of it again and uh, it's all just why well, I've, I've enjoyed the Giants coming out and having a bit of a dig at Trump as a organization that has Woody Johnson mm. uh, at part, as part of their upper echelons of management and ownership who is a Trump envoy here in the UK but here we go it's uh, the NFL national anthem debate is alive and well again can't uh, can't believe it isn't it cut in the contract that players uh, that players must stand at attention hand on heart? The $40 million commissioner must now make a stand. First time kneeling out for a game, second time kneeling out for the season slash no pay. It's like he just didn't... Like, the guy is... He doesn't understand... That was Trump, yeah? Not yeah, Woody that's, Johnson, that's the Trump. And he just doesn't understand how this is continuing to make him look more and more ridiculous. I, I know he's not a I man. mean, he says something interesting in that. 
is it in their contract? Well, if it's not in their contract to stand, which I doubt it is in no. any NFL player's contract, they don't have to do it. No. If, you, if you're talking about their employees of the league and the league then says or stipulates that this must happen, I don't. I, I think you can get around that in so many ways. Agents and lawyers and teams can get around that and say, well, actually, it's not re- written into any NFL player's contract that they have to stand for the anthem or have to be present for the anthem and not make any protest. So, you know, what, what's the issue there? So, I, I, again, that's another interesting thing to look at. Uh, right, let's, um, let's go to our interview now then because we did get a chance to sit down with... We sat down with five of the six players over. The only one we didn't was Josh Lambeau from the Jags because, A, we'd had Leonard Fournette a couple of weeks ago and also he came in and did some in-studio stuff at TalkSport with H&J. Oh, he was great. It's, it's, they it's, loved him as well. It's well worth listening back to because he previously was offered a contract by David Moyes to join Everton's youth setup, and chose not to do it and ended up in the NFL, which is obviously quite a fascinating story so mm. if you can go back and find it do do so maybe we'll bring you that at some point on the podcast anyway we'll just ask H and J nicely if they don't mind do you know what would be interesting go on because an NFL player's um, it's better be interesting now yeah, yeah yeah an NFL player's career is pretty short I know kickers careers are longer and they bounce around teams and they can end up getting picked up I wonder whether Josh Lambeau has got it in the back of his mind that when his time is done in the NFL he could try becoming a goalkeeper. I kind of feel, yeah. I kind of feel like it, you'd have gone the other way round, but maybe not for a goalkeeper. Maybe in other positions. But goalkeepers, know, it's, goalkeepers, it's going up to a professional level, though. Is but is their shelf else. lives are their shelf lives are, are far longer than but outfield so are, players. So are kickers in theory. But that, that's true. But we saw with um, Seabass, who was the punter that uh, was that's very vocal. Um, Pat McAfee. Not Pat McAfee. The, the guy before, very vocal, ex-Minnesota Vikings. Oh, man. Oh, we used to get him on the show quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, Chris Cluey. Chris, Chris Cluey. So he's now out of the NFL, and I don't think he's pursued anything else. Well, Josh Lambeau has got the chance, uh, potentially, if, you know, he's, he's become, he's been a professional sportsman in an, in an in another sport, another capacity. Another field. I'm, I'm sure that, and literally another field, I'm sure that could, you know, could use those the things that, that he's done in those processes and fitness and stuff, and perhaps try and do it. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll ask him one day. Right, let's um, let's Sorry, go that to... Was just, yeah, that no, was that's just fine. me uh, vocalising stuff. I enjoyed it thoroughly. My, my thought process. I enjoyed it thoroughly. So over the coming weeks, you're going to hear from Jared Cook, Kyle Emanuel uh, of the Chargers, Nico Thorpe of the, uh, of the Seattle Emmanuel, Seahawks. The they, they, yeah. Honestly, all the interviews were fantastic and, and really enjoyed them. And now that I've started to list them off and you interrupted midway through, I'm going to forget who I haven't mentioned yet. Who have I, who have I mentioned? I've already mentioned Nico Thorpe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jared Cook. Uh, Hollins. Carl Emanuel. Mac Hollins yeah. from the Eagles. He was great fun, Mac Hollins. Uh, and, uh, and right now, we're going to bring you our chat with the Tennessee Titans defensive lineman, Jarrell Casey. I'm not going to lie. When they sent over the list of players for who we were going to get to, uh, to chat to when... They were talking about who they're going to send over this year. There was a little bit of me who was looking at the Titans roster and going, Joe Casey, Joe Casey, Joe Casey. I'm not just saying that. Honestly, <laughs> one of the most exciting, most disruptive defensive linemen in the league. And, and kind of, he's, Jarell, you're one of those people who, people who like to pretend like they know lots about football like me. Will always go, yeah, well, you know who's underrated? It's Jarell Casey. No one talks about him enough. So really excited to have you here, man. Yeah, you thank UK? you for having me. Um, it's definitely been a blessing. I'm excited to be here. And you're definitely true about that. People do not recognize me enough. <laughs> I don't know what it is or what's going on, man. But I've been doing this now eight years. I would think I would start to get more of a respect around the league. But it is what it is. Uh, you said there you, you've been doing this for, for eight years now. And you know, with your kind of young, exciting defense coming up, you're, you're, all, you're kind of the veteran head now. How have you yeah. found taking on that role? It's definitely been exciting. Uh, you know, get to start to school people a little bit on what you know. I would say a little bit scary because you kind of it's kind of like dang you, like you say you're the old head and you see everybody that didn't left it's like well, what's left for you there now you know they they're only gonna look to replace you but at the end of the day I just I'll take it as I take it as a challenge you know you're always getting these younger guys in you're getting them in to push you to be better but my biggest thing is just giving these kids the knowledge and the experience to really go out there and take basically take my spot and go out there and continue what I've done for the last couple of years. And that's really the whole mindset when I go go now into the next couple of years is really starting to groom these kids to start to basically basically help the Titans become one of the biggest teams on the map. 
And look, we'll talk about all of that and how exciting the AFC South is and how you're going to have to deal with lots of Jags fans in the UK. The only place other than Jacksonville you find Jags fans is probably <laughs> London, but uh, <laughs> not one of the wider probably more here than teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that, but that's every possibility. Um, Whoops. Uh, but look, we, we were chatting a little bit beforehand and you were saying, again, we find this with the guys who are the more veterans in the league. You've been over, you've travelled over here before, you've been to Europe and, and experienced it a bit before. So when you found out you were coming and playing in London, what was your reaction to that? It definitely was a dope reaction. I was, I was, I was stoked for it. Like I said, I, I came here last year. I didn't, I didn't been here, traveled the city a little bit and to come out here and now get to experience the, the game I love and to, I, I've been to a soccer game and seen the crowds, how they get hyped for those games and to come over here and play American football inside of another country. You know, we all dream for the world to see you be able to play on TV, but to be able to let the world see you play in person is a whole different experience. And, to build a fan base higher is, is everything. So my thing is to come out here and put on for the fans. So when I leave, they know who Gerald Casey is. Lots more 99 jerseys <laughs> there after <we> being bought <laughs> off the NFL UK shop on the Monday after the game. <laughs> I've got to ask them, what was the soccer game you went to see? Um, A.S. Wrong. So we went, went down wow. there. Yeah, went down there and watched them play. It was pretty pretty. Were you intense. in the Curvo Sud where um, all the super fans yep. are? It was pretty. Those oh. seats, those seats <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, man. So comfortable. Unbelievable. <laughs> No, it was definitely exciting. Like I said, the the fans is what like the game was cool, like, you know, good exciting game or whatever. They I think they beat them like four zero if I'm not mistaken, the game was gonna see. But um the fans was the most exciting thing. I mean, they didn't sit down not one time yeah. throughout the game. Like they just cheering the whole time. And and inside the States, you can get some dull moments in a game. And, you know, things don't get that exciting. But when you got your crowd behind you and making making that that, that stadium erupt. That, they bring juice to a, to a player, and that's the thing I love about it. Do you know when you're coming in uh, pre-game, um, before you know, b- before the game? Are you, you guys coming in on the yeah, Friday? Yeah, coming right? in on the yeah, Friday. So come okay. Friday. So even players that have come in on the Friday, we have um, a full a full schedule of, of soccer games, Premier League games on the Saturday. Even even teams that come in on the on the Friday, they've managed. I don't know, they've, they've uh, hit up some soccer players from Premier League sides and they've managed to get tickets to go to Arsenal or to Tottenham or somewhere like that. So you may have the opportunity to catch a Premier League game here. That so definitely would be nice. So, you know, if, if, if you know anyone or you, you've, you, anyone from a Premier League side with a blue tick follows you on Twitter yeah. or something, <laughs> honestly, hit them up. Because, <laughs> because Italian football's great, but... It, it's nowhere near as good as uh, English English football, English yeah. soccer. So, okay. see, but see equally, our do. fans can be a lot more miserable. You know, it's raining. It's uh, that's true. grey. That's it's you know, true. we're we're generally a more down people. But that's fine. That's <laughs> you know, uh, So, I mean, I mentioned it, but you guys coming from this AFC South, we obviously we've had the Jags out here every year, and we like to take some claim for their turnaround. There was a period of time over three years where they'd won more games here in London than they'd actually won in Jacksonville. So. You can tell, like, that gives you an idea of yeah. where that team's gone while they've been coming over here. It, it's undoubtedly a really strong division this year. So, oh, definitely, definitely, it's, it's definitely going to be a, a new era of football with the AFC emerging. I think, you know, last, like you said, the last couple of years, nobody really paid attention to the AFC South. Everybody say, oh, that's, that's a walk in the park when they play against the AFC South. But now teams are starting to prepare. Teams got to spend an extra day or two to really look over their game plan to get prepared for any one of these four teams. And that's got to be the mindset of the AFC South. We can't lay down for nobody. Yeah, we we very competitive against each other when we play against one another, but we need to make that same approach when we go against other teams and other divisions because that's what that's what I'll come down to. Everybody think everybody else's division is way stronger. So when it comes to, you know, doing a matchup for, like, the playoffs and, you know, the rankings and all that, the other teams, the other divisions, they're going to get a little bit of more of a nod oh, on a tiebreaker or something like that because nobody respects the AFC South. And so, you know, biggest thing is making sure we go out there and keep putting the AFC South on the map. From our point of view, over the last couple of seasons, especially with uh, Coach Malarkey being in, it felt like the Titans were in a bit of waiting to see what's going to happen the next season and then the next season. And then come the start of this season, it's been a, a, a sea change of of uh, new coordinators and head coaches coming in. Do you feel there's something different this year compared to other years? Um, I can't necessarily say. I can't necessarily say. I would say uh, everybody always say, what's next year, what's next year? 
I would say that's the same now. We got new coaches. We got we got new concept, new scheme. Who knows what to expect from the Titans this year? But you know, you got some good players. You got some talented players. We're gonna definitely put the effort out there to get it done. The biggest thing is making sure we're executing the game plan to the the full eff- effectiveness to make sure we we execute everything on point. And that's what the next couple of days of training camp gonna be. It's just make sure we, if we get the game plan on point. I tell you this, it's definitely gonna be a great season for the Tennessee Titans. Now that's 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 the big thing right there. It's a different scheme, different concept, different things to learn. I wouldn't say it's easy. Now you got to be a pro, a professional about it, and that's going to be the the biggest thing for us. That's going to be the downfall if guys don't get the concept very well. I I love the Dean Pease hire, and I I love the Mike Rabel hire as well. And what stage are you now at this point in the summer of learning that new scheme? Have you been given a playbook? Are you? yeah, picking up those kind of concepts and, and having to, are you able to go away and start doing that side of the work now? The, the biggest thing so far we have done, we, everybody got their playbooks. Everybody, we installed the full playbook now for the defense side to speak on. We, we installed everything. We have not fine-tuned the, the deepness of it yet. Obviously, it's OTAs. You want to get everybody to understand the, the basics at this moment. So this start of training camp is where it's, where it's at. We, we're going to have to start to really come in where it comes to the small details of the game planning of more so specific of position, not necessarily as a whole defense. Now you now you do everything as like a full defense. You just throw everything in. Everybody basically doing the same thing, basic stuff. When you start getting to game plan week to week, that's when you start coming with, okay, this type of pass rush plans we want, this type of matchups we want, this is where we want certain players to fit, this is where we want certain – you know, that's when it comes to the nitty-gritty. And that's when you really got to know your playbook because it's not just learning – one spot. You got to know three or four different spots because now you can be doing different things at different time. And so that's why when I talk about understanding, make sure you pick up the concept. If you know what you're doing, this should be a great defense because everything they have in the playbook is amazing. It's just about everybody understanding what they're doing in different roles when they call in different things. Are we going to see some nice, splashy Jarrell Casey plays? That's oh, the main yeah. thing. <laughs> you see how excited the smile is when I'm talking about it. <laughs> I'm like, just hoping everything goes the way it's supposed to because it's going to be a beautiful thing. I know I've been studying and know my thing. I just need everybody around me doing the same. That's it. What have been your early impressions of, of Coach Pease and Coach Rabel? Oh, man, they're amazing. I think, you know, the biggest thing is having a head coach that understands the game of football from offensive side of the game plan to defense, also special teams. He don't necessarily just work on – you know, you got some head coach that just work offense, some that just work defense. This guy's from everywhere, from every position they possibly be. And when you have a head coach that, that take into account for, you know, the smallest things possible, I think that's what will take your team to the next level. P's man, his mindset of just game planning, his mindset of how he breaks it down, how they install things, the 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 way they just, you know, just give you the the preparation for the week is pretty amazing. I think, you know, as we start to go through camp and start to deal with a little more, I can get a better feel for them more of the personal level. But as coaches and everything like that, they've been amazing so far. They definitely player coaches. They've been making adjustments on the fly for us that works for us a little bit better. So when you get those coaches that can, you know, sit down with the players, can talk and take in what you get. I think that's the best thing, but I would love to get to you know get to know them a little more deeper when it comes to train camp on personal stuff off the field and things like that. That's that's my next growth for these guys. Um, it, it, draft wise, um, how much do you, do you pay a lot of attention to who comes in, or um, is it more like oh this guy was drafted number one and I'll meet him when he when he turns up for OTAs because Rashawn Evans came in as as the number one pick yeah. and it, it it kind of it filled a gap. A need that you that you guys Definitely. had. Are you excited to be working with him, just behind you and and seeing what he does? I'm definitely excited for that. Um, I do not pay attention deeply to the draft. Um, obviously, I watch it. I don't. It's not like I don't watch it. I pay attention to who they're gonna bring in, but I don't really harp on. I wait till the guys get there. I I'll, I'll probably text them, not text them, but um, tweet them or something like that. Give them a shot that I, I pay attention and congrats or whatever. But the biggest thing is just waiting till they get there, seeing what their mindset gonna be like, see how they work. Really getting to see what their vibe is going to be. But that guy, man, he's going to be excellent. Rashad Evans, he's, he's going to be a great fit for us. He's, his speed, his explosiveness, the things I've seen when he played for Bama is ridiculous. The stuff he's shown so far up on film and practice has been pretty, pretty amazing and impressive. So I'm definitely excited to see what he's going to bring to that next level to help us, you know, take us to that next level. Like you said, we needed that help. Avery, um, Avery left. And that was a big loss for us, you know, mm-hmm. guy who, yeah. who was excellent for the last couple of years. So he got some big shoes to fill. And I think he's going to be definitely – he come from a great organization. So just helping he have the same approach he did when he was in college that he do now. You move up for a guy like that. 
You, you go and get there and Harold Landry in the second round who looks really excited, explosive, off the edge guy, which sometimes hasn't been you guys' strength. And I, I was t- saying this just a, a minute ago to, to uh, your fellow, your charger who's come over and we're saying Titans chargers, if people aren't excited about watching defense in this game, they just don't turn up because on your side of the ball, we've got you being disruptive. Then we've got Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram on the yep. other side. And then I think arguably on both defenses, you've got, maybe the two best set of corner trios in the league yeah. now that you guys have brought Malcolm Butler in and, and have you seen I, I don't know how much you've interacted with him in OTA so far but what impact that's going to have on your defence because between him Logan Ryan and I love Adoree Jackson yeah, yeah. from last year big fan like Everybody I'm excited I'm, I'm genuinely real excited it's definitely going it's definitely going to be huge like you said Landry he's exposing himself off the edge just watch him the last couple last couple of days of um OTAs that his his pass rush is amazing. And you know, for a rookie to come in and, you know, jump right into the mix of things, he's catch on to the concept easily. Like he's a guy he's communicate well. So I'm really, really excited to work with him. He's someone I'm gonna work with personally because, you know, he's down there on the line with me. So it's definitely gonna be clutch. And to have those three guys, him, Rackpo and Morgan, rushing in a package together is gonna be like ridiculous. Like you said, if guys don't know what to expect. It's going to be a pretty exciting show coming from us up front. But our secondary, I would say, I have to say, is probably going to be the best secondary in the league this year. Um, bringing in Malcolm Butler definitely was a great add. We, we needed that one extra piece just to give those guys a little break or whatever, rotational-wise. I don't know how they're going to play them all three at the same time or not or what the concept is going to be with that. But having any one of those guys on the field is going to be locked down. Any one of them at any given time. He's definitely his approach to the game is very professional. He's he's he watched small thing. I can hear him all the way outside telling me, Joel, back up. Back. So he's he paying attention to <laughs> yeah, the smallest thing to make sure. And I'm like, dude, why are you paying attention to me? He's just like, you know, I try to make sure I'm watching the small things of the game. And when you have people like that, you know he's a pro. Now, so I'm just waiting to see how his game, you know, play out. I watch obviously watched him we play with the Patriots. He's excellent. So I'm just waiting to see how he do when he playing with us. How long was the line of people uh, to ask him what happened in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Honestly, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't ask him personally. Not, not but from the media, from you. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I, don't, I don't know how many people necessarily asked him that, but uh, actually, I didn't even think about that. Uh, I just was excited to have him over yeah. there, but to yeah, actually, I want to get back Max. <laughs> yeah, find but, out. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find out that one. But uh, whatever happened, they definitely made a. Huge mistake on that one. They needed that ball. And you yeah. guys have benefited 100%. from it. Uh, I wanted to, we, we started off by saying that you're unheralded. You, you know, you, you go under the radar, um, even though we think that you're great. <laughs> well, I don't think we've mentioned that enough. <laughs> but you go under the radar. So you're up against, on the offensive line, two guys that actually don't go under the radar and are, are, are widely praised um, in, in, in Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin. How... They are nasty. How... Much does it improve your game going up against those guys in so, uh, in practice? So going against Taylor is definitely one of the best experiences that you can get as a defensive lineman. Taylor, his athletic ability is retarded. When I say that guy is so fast, so so ridiculously strong, like his hands is quick. So when I go against Taylor, it's like okay, if I'm beating Taylor on a consistent basis, or if I'm getting my job done. Going against somebody else, honestly, going to be a little bit easier than than I expected. And, you know, we have great battles. There's days where Taylor get the best of me. There's days I get the best of Taylor. But um, I just say going against him is definitely take my game to another level because it just helps. It helps me to know to stay on my toes. I got to be quicker than I got to be quicker than him to beat Taylor. That's just always my mindset when I line up against him. If I'm faster than him, I could probably be probably probably beat him. But most linemen is not fast than him, so I don't got to worry about that. As long as I know I'm getting off the ball quick, I'm most likely going to beat a lineman. Going against Jack is more of a different thing. Jack is not necessarily quick or fast twitch. He's just, I don't like his, his technique isn't as strong as everybody would think, but his ability to play the position is amazing. His, his awareness is his recovery. Like if you can beat him and he can recover with no problem, like he ain't lost the battle. And that's the whole thing with, with Jack playing against him. It's more so the mindset of knowing that after I hit him with something else, I got to be able to counter to something else mm. because he's not going to just give up on, okay, I've got beat. He's a guy, he, he can be beat this way and spin him back around and make a whole block the other way. And little things like that just keep you on your toes on knowing, okay, I got to you know how different counters. I got to keep this move in mind because he's going to be able to counter this. I got to have something else to come back quickly. So he's more of a guy that just keep you on your toes of understanding I got to have multiple things to come with him with because – 
no matter what I bring at them, might not work that first try. So I got to make sure I got something else to come with. So working with those guys more so. Taylor is understanding the quickness, fastness of the game, understanding how fast I need to get off the ball. Playing against what Jack is more of really the mental phase of the game, really trying to get the smarts on him. Uh, just saying it now, I know there's plenty of years left of Jarrell Casey, I'm sure, at the top level as well, and I'm sure the Titans hope it's there. But listening to the way you talk about football, you could quite easily be on this side of the mic at some point <laughs> in the not-too-distant future. You know, I'm saying five or six years down the line, let's definitely. not get there yet. Yeah. But um, I, I want to finish off by asking about the kind of wider NFL, because one of the guys that was meant to be over this week was Russell Okun, and yeah. uh, he's ended up staying behind, as we understand, is to be involved in the conversation with the NFLPA over... Um, over the, well, I guess not proposed rule change, the rule change about what happens during the national anthem, yeah. but he's obviously a guy who's very outspoken, not just about that, but also about guaranteed money in the league. Definitely. And I saw you tweeting about that or, or retweeting something that he put out there. And I just wonder, as a guy, you mean, you got paid last year. Yeah. And as a kind of older guy in the league, you see something like what's happened with Kirk Cousins this year, and then you see what the contracts are like in the NBA. We've got a CBA coming up. I think we're at a real kind of crux point in the NFL. So is it something that really the NFL needs to look at, the way that these contracts are structured and the way that it's dealt with going forward? Oh, definitely. That's definitely huge. Um, I think, you know, business mindset of it, understand where the owners and stuff come from. Football is probably the one sport you're going to guarantee an injury. You're going to guarantee an injury. So I understand on the business mindset, why would I give somebody a guarantee $50 million when they can get hurt next year and be done? That's, that's like the hardest thing. Like, I agree people should have more guaranteed money, yes, but it's just to me personally, I don't think it's something where your whole contract needs to be guaranteed. Just football period. I just Every day somebody's coming in, somebody's getting – so think about that. If you bring a guy in this week, guarantee him a contract for a million, $2 million, next week you cut him, you, you out $2 million. Again, basketball – you guarantee a guy five year contract. Normal time he's gonna be there for that full five year. It's not like he's gonna get hurt and be. Or if he does get hurt, that's like a rare thing that's gonna be done for a career injury, or where he's not gonna get paid again. But just football, I, don't, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think. I don't the thing think is, so. when it comes to soccer, all ca- contracts are guaranteed. Yeah. Soccer, basketball, baseball. Like 100% guaranteed. <laughs> Pretty much everything but like football. It's, it's really difficult because the argument you're making for why you shouldn't guarantee it and what you're seeing from their side is exactly the argument other people are making for why it should be guaranteed because yeah. you guys are putting your bodies on the line more so. And I'm not disrespecting any other sport, but it is a brutal, so, physical, editorial battle of a sport. I just, think of it, I just think of it as more a business mindset of it, of why I understand people wouldn't do it. That's the that's the biggest thing for me, just the business mindset of it. Now, being a player, being an employee or something, everybody, you want your money guaranteed. You don't want to be out there working on make-up money, basically. Because, oh. yeah, you got your X amount of dollar contract, but you're not going to see that whole thing. So you plan on make-up money, definitely. But, uh, well, make-believe money, what shall I say? <laughs> <laughs> make-believe money. And if you don't play every, that full year of whatever – what five year contract or whatever you're not going to see everything which makes sense i think like i said i don't think the whole contract should be guaranteed but i think a larger portion of the contract should be guaranteed like so say if you have a 60 million dollar contract at least 40 to 50 of that should be guaranteed to a point you know you should at least get a little bit more half then so we're talking like two-thirds you know what i'm saying but i don't think necessarily the whole contract just just i'm just looking at his business wife you guarantee everybody a a full contract and then someone get hurt, you got to bring somebody else in, you bring him another full contract. Next week, you're going to be bringing somebody else in. It's just how the business of football is. Every mm-hmm. week, someone else is coming in. F- final kind of question then. Is it down to the NFL to have more of a dialect with the players about this, about the anthem? about Because that's what it's felt like has been the oh, biggest definitely. problem with all of this is that that dialogue hasn't been happening. Definitely. I think that's the biggest issue that we do have. Nobody really takes the time to sit down and really talk about it. It's more so, all right, they're doing this. Let's see how we can put a stop to it. And they don't necessarily care what your whole mindset, the reasoning for it is. Their thing is, it's counseling our ratings. It's stopping our money coming in. We need to put a stop to it. I just don't see what's the reasoning from them putting a rule in this year to say, okay, this will happen if y'all do this or that happen or whatever, especially if you cared about your players. If you cared about them, you care about their mental state, you care about their, their feelings when they're coming out there, they're doing a job for y'all to you know, bring you in billions of dollars, 
the least you can do is sit down and understand where we're coming from. But the first thing you do is sit down with people that's not even part of what we're discussing. And you go and say, well, you know, don't care about what they're talking about. Let's just go ahead and discuss what we talk about over here. And let's see if this is the right thing we should do, make a rule or not make a rule. And for them to come up with the decision, they obviously don't care about the well-being of their own players. And that's, the, that's probably the most negative thing about that whole thing is that they don't care about what's going on at all, especially for them to come out with a rule like that, especially the season hasn't even started yet. And that was the first thing the topic to come up with another rule to change. I could sit here and talk to you for hours, Joel, but really I don't really appreciate it. That. So uh, <laughs> I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for appreciate joining us. Y'all. Thank you. Drell Casey speaking with us on the Gridiron Show. I loved that. Really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and I love doing it with you as well, Ollie. Sometimes these timings don't work because you've got to go to work, and that yeah. day it was fine. It was fine, and I then got locked out of my house for five hours and I had to sleep in the garden <laughs> that, for that a bit. That was but... so funny. Do you, want to, do you want to retell it? Ugh. So after, <laughs> when I went and did those interviews, and if I sound tired in any of them, I apologise, but I left, I did the overnight show on TalkSport and then had a kip at TalkSport, maybe about 90 minutes or so, between seven and about half eight, had some breakfast at TalkSport, had a quick shower, then headed over to the NFL UK head offices and conducted these interviews. They were meant to go on, I was meant to be there for about an hour and a half. I ended up being there for nearly five hours. When I finally then got the tube home, fell asleep on the tube, Got uh, got the bus back from the tube to my house, and halfway back to my house, thought, I don't think I've got the keys. Don't think I've got the keys. Oh, that, honest, that is the worst feeling. Yeah. Searched through my bag, couldn't find them, went back to the house, had a thorough search of my bag, taking all the equipment and stuff out, couldn't find them. Realised I'd left them on the desk here at TalkSport Towers. Thought, it's going to take me an hour to get back to work, get the keys, come back. That's two hours, and my wife will be back, like, not long after that from work. So why don't I just... I've got my laptop, got my phone, hang out in the garden. We've got this nice kind of seating area up the top, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Which, is, uh, which is lovely. So I went and did that. My wife didn't come in for five hours after that. By the way, she's she had out a of meeting order. after work. She's not out of order. She's out of order. I she would offered have come straight to come, back she, if it were me. She offered to come straight back. And uh, and I said no, don't because she's got to stay. Oh, what a hero you meeting. are then! And uh, yeah, I regret it massively. <laughs> but did, what, I sat in the garden for five hours. But you surely you uh, yeah you must have been pretty hungry. I had, um, to, I had to wee in the garden. Well, my wife doesn't know that bit. Yeah, but you, you must have been really hungry. Yeah, I delivered KFC to my back garden. Superb. Uh, <laughs> I love that. The guy knocked on the front door and I went. I didn't even get up. I just went. Hello, mate. <laughs> well, you made him come all the way and came, up. And he came through the fence. So I met him halfway down the garden. I, I would loved it if he walked up the paving stones, which do that arc <laughs> around yeah. your garden, instead of walking along the uh, the brown lawn. By the way, um, you've been in this air-conditioned office for the last, I don't know how many hours. A few hours. Outside, when I was arriving at TalkSport, uh, in Southwark, Waterloo, around about half seven it was 30 degrees outside and there was the there's complete cloud cover Ooh, it close. is it, it, it is so mugai it's mugai it's ridiculous my this, father-in-law would say it's ridiculous this weather have, have we got time to go through all the news because we are running long and i've got to get on with my real job what well, do you want to d- d- pick and choose what news you want to look at uh, we should mention as it's just breaking news overnight tonight about the uh, vikings offensive line coach uh, tony sperano dying at the age of 56 he's not someone who i was lucky enough to to kind of spend any time with or, or speak to because from all all reports, all intents and purposes, that the Vikings assistant was a bit of a legend, a lovely, lovely man. Uh, began began his NFL coach career back in '99. Held head coaching. Obviously, we know that he was previously uh, at the uh, at the Dolphins and at the Raiders. He was the man of, if you're around the NFL fan, bury the ball fame mm-hmm. when he was at the Oakland Raiders. Um, and a very old school kind of coach, but apparently an absolute delight and that offensive line started to turn around last season as well for the Vikings and looks like it might be good again this year so yeah honestly obviously devastating devastating news but I don't think a huge amount else we can say apart from kind of rest in peace and thoughts with his family I mean absolutely the the uh the coaches are uh, quite a lot of them revered and some of these coaches that work specifically with a position and that offensive line will be absolutely devastated by the news and it wouldn't surprise me if they or the team as a whole show some sort of respect to Sperano 
um, either with something on their jersey or something like that. And it will be a galvanizing thing. They'll turn it, as sad as it is, it'll, they'll turn it into, or try and turn it into some sort of positive for the team. Which now, he would have wanted. Yeah, 100%. Now, some of these stories I'm just going to gloss over for for reason of, I think we'll talk about them when we do the preview. So, Lev Bell and Demarcus Lawrence and their franchise tag situations, we'll talk about in their season preview. Uh, all of this stuff around the Cardinals with Steve Keim and, and everything crazy, happening there. That's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crazy. But I think we'll talk about that when we talk about the NFC West. Sure. As, as well as the Seahawks. I mean, I asked Nico Thorpe about the If You Don't Want Me, Trade Me Instagram post when I spoke with him and, and spoke about Earl Thomas with him. See, so we spoke to Earl Thomas earlier earlier this summer and he made it clear that his future was in no way decided so and and Richard Sherman's comments we'll get into all of that as well the only two bits of news probably worth mentioning are um, Darrell Revis retires from the NFL after 11 seasons seven or eight of which he was absolutely top tier four or five of which he was arguably the best I would say there's a four-year stretch where he was the best defensive player in the NFL not just the best at his position and in the modern era to do four straight years like that, that on in itself is Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah. Like, I, I'd have the same argument if I was talking about whether or not... Because I think J.J. Watt may well regress over the coming seasons because of the injuries he's had. There is an argument that because of his dominant period over the past four seasons, before the big injuries, mm. that he could already be Hall of Fame level. Because he will just be forever remembered for that. It comes back to the same conversation about do you look at someone who had a short career like TD but was so dominant over three or four of those years? Or TB. You still put him in. TB? Tony Baselli. Ah, nice. Yeah, no, same thing. I thought he meant Tom Brady. I'm like, <laughs> that's been a bit more than four no, years on no, me. <laughs> the, the far superior TB in Tony Baselli. The far more likable TB, that's 100%. for sure, at least. So, um, yeah, just Darrell Rivas retiring was, was obviously huge news. Do you want to talk about this wide receiver stuff? I mean, I thought some of it's quite interesting. Part of it, I just want to call out Matt Sherry. Go on, call him out. <laughs> Sorry, just a sec. <laughs> because in, in classic Pats fan fashion... Sorry, Matt, I love you. He slated the Brandon Cooks contract when it first came out. Went, Five years, 81 million, 60 million, 16 million a year. What an absolute joke kind of thing for a guy who's just there to stretch the field. And I, and I feel like I have this conversation with Matt all the time. As brilliant a football writer as he is and a good football mind, and like I, I think he's genuinely, like considering his age as well, he's in an amazing position to do this for years and years and years. The one place he always falls over is he overreacts to these contracts at the first announcement. And didn't he champion this move, the Patriots getting bringing in Brandon Cooks? He would have lo- he yeah. loved the fact that he yeah. had Cooks, the Patriots had Cooks, and it would change their offence, yada, yada, yada. And in the end, now that he's left, he's going, oh, he's massively overpaid. And they obviously paid big for him to get him from the New England Patriots. Uh, but... So he went, 16 million a year, that's absolutely ridiculous. And I went, hold on, hold on, Matt. It'll, the actual guarantees, that's when we have to wait for those first. And he went, oh, I bet it'll be close. I bet it'll be close. Fully guaranteed initially 20.5 million at signing. Now that can go to 50.5 in total guarantees, but that's those kind of total guarantees, which include things like roster bonuses and things like that, which are not, they're not real guarantees because they could cut him in a year. So they could cut him in one year and it'll cost them 20 million plus quite a nasty cap hit. That's not great, but it's not the same as paying him 16 million a year. So let's just, you know, 10 million a year for a receiver like Brandon Cooks. Absolutely. I think he absolutely changes when he's fully fit. What <laughs> That sneeze has been coming for the entire show. Well done, buddy. Uh, what that <laughs> offence does. He changes what that offence can do. I think, I think he'll be great there. I think it's a good... Uh, I think it's a great acquisition when it happened. And I think it's good to tie the guy down. And Sherry is semi-convinced that this Rams team are like the Eagles' dream team team. He thinks that they might be bad this season. I don't believe it. I mean, I worry about Goff. I don't worry about Goff. I think he's still going to have McVeigh there helping him run the offence. The worry is they're bringing in all this talent on defence and they're all quite disruptive guys locker room-wise. Peters and Sue and, like... But they've got Wade Phillips. They've got someone who has played 
with every top-level defensive talent. Yeah. He did an interview with Adam Schefter for his podcast the other day, and they talked about the best defensive talent he's ever played with. And it's a litany of Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. The guy knows what he's doing. Do you know, the last 10 teams he signed for, Wade Phillips, including this last season's Rams, he has taken them to the playoffs as a defensive coordinator in their first season signing for them. He is... One of the greatest. Yeah. I believe in him. I think the Rams will still be good this year. Okay. Okay. I mean, again, it is the whole Jared Goff thing, but what they did last year is simplifying the playbook and just doing things that he can do, a bit like the Jags did with Blake Bortles. And then when you've got Todd Gurley and he had that incredible season last season and bringing in Brandon Cooks, I don't know. I, I do still worry about Goff, but the the way that they used him last year... Um, you'd expect the same this year. Yeah. I, I, again, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a coin flip for me with the Rams. Uh, how long are we on? What's our time? 60. Well, let's round it up then. Uh, Ollie, any final thoughts? No, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. If you are planning a trip out to the States, whether it's for uh, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, the CFL, the WWE, the whatever it might be, maybe you want to go to All In in Chicago, go to Ben. Ben will put you together a phenomenal package. Yeah. Um, John told me, uh, John Jackson told me that he went to him to help him sort out flights. He's thinking about going to Florida with Sherry and... Uh, and uh, Josh. Josh for the Pro Bowl, then flying to Arizona to watch the Royal Rumble, then flying back to uh, Atlanta for the Super Bowl, then flying home again, and he couldn't believe how cheap the flights Ben managed to find him were. And he tried to do an online deal for the same sort of thing, couldn't get within a couple of hundred pounds of the deal Ben could get him. And that's with Ben you know, having a commission on top of it. Wow. So, honestly... Go to Ben Mortimer, go to Touchdown Trips. They will make sure you get the best possible deal. Any of your transatlantic and needs. It'll go be. To yeah, there you go. Fantastic. Uh, brilliant. Ollie, thank you so much. That was no, good no, fun. no, no. Thank you, Will. Pop it in my folder. I'll get it edited up. It'll be about Monday morning for when everyone wakes up. Bang! Bang! Whoosh! This has been the Gridiron Show.